My name is Fraser. My name is Mark. And we are the hosts of the Geekiest Show Alive. To the outside world, we're ordinary geeks. But in the fab international studios, we talk comics and find other geeks just like us. This is Geek of the Week. Welcome to Geek of the Week. This is issue 39. I am your regular host, Mark, and we've got an interesting show for you this afternoon, this evening, this morning, whenever you are listening, because it is our Spider-Man special. You may have noticed that the Spider-Man Far From Foam film came out, and I've got reviews with both Fraser and, which I did, we did over Skype, so he's still in America, and reviews with the SuperTap Film Clap Super Tap Film Club boys. And, well, they're on later in the show, but first, it's time for this. I need photos of Spider Man. With the sound of J. Jonah Jameson, you know that it is time for the news. And I will be honest with you, it is a slow news week this week. Uh, I've only got a few things to report back to you, but um, I'll go through them quickly. First of all, the Wolverine podcast has now been released episodically. Originally, it was just on Stitcher. You could binge it all in one go as long as you subscribed to their premium service. Whereas now it is available on all of the podcast fo- formats, like for example, I listen to it on Spotify, and they're weekly. They're releasing it weekly on an episodic format. The first two are up, and it's ready to go every week from this point. So if you like Wolverine podcast, you like the first series, then the second series is now episodic on your favourite podcast formats. Next up is some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle news, which. Um, I don't know what to think about it because I have uh, visions of the Venus de Milo, which uh, if you didn't watch the not very good recent-ish TV show of the Turtles, they brought in a female turtle called Venus de Milo and she wasn't canon, she wasn't in the comics, but they are now bringing in a female Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle into the comics. It's a character called Jenica who has already been an established character within the series, which, you know, is, is better than a randomer, I suppose. Um, and I'll be honest, I haven't read the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles stuff recently, and um, this Jenica character isn't a character I'm familiar with, but she is an established character, and she's going to end up being mutated and becoming one of the turtles. She's going to be the first female Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, and she's going to be wearing wearing yellow, yellow mask, and she's also going to have um, kind of like knuckle dusters with claws. Um, so she's going to have kind of a Wolverine vibe, maybe, as her, and that's going to be her signature ninja weapon. So it's it's certainly interesting news. I don't know what I think about it. I think it's worth a, it's, it's got to be worth a go, hasn't it? Because it needs it needs something to mix it up. It needs I, I, I think it might end up being pretty good, but we don't know because it hasn't happened yet. But that is your Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles news, and. The big news that, for, at least for me this week, that I really liked was um, that there's a um, there's an, an anomaly has been put on the internet. It's a PDF version of an alternative issue of Batman 801. Now, the Bill Sienkiewicz was signed up as the artist for a 12-issue run, 
And due to situations changing priorities and where else he needed to be, he couldn't actually end up doing all 12 of the issues. He only did issue one. So they completely scrapped it and the artwork was lost and another artist took over and that 12 issue run, that story was run with a different artist. And for years and years and years, this beautiful art just sat there with nothing to do because it it, it hadn't even been... um, hadn't even been lettered, so there's there's no text to it, and it was just sat there. But I think it's really cool that DC have released this online, free PDF that you can just download, just search for it online. You can download Bill Sienkiewicz's Batman 801. And um, I tell you what, the artwork is great. I mean, I know he's he, he's a legend, but the artwork is great. It almost tells the story without the... Uh, without without the text, and it's it's just... As a piece of comic book history... It's such a cool thing. It's such a cool thing that it's there, and I've downloaded it, and it's free. Like I say, it's free to download. Grab yourself a copy of that, and that's about it for the news. I mean, at, at least that's all the news that I could find. If you found any news that you think I missed out, why don't you talk to us on Facebook or Twitter? Just search for Geek of the Week Radio Show on Facebook. We've got a discussion group there. Or tweet us at GOTW Radio. Or you can tweet me directly. My my Twitter is at MarkAdamsHC. And get chatting. What do you think about the Wolverine podcast? What do you think about the uh, Alternative 801 artwork? Or indeed, what do you think of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles being, being well, having a, including a female turtle now? Also, what did you think of the Spider-Man film? I've got a 45-minute in-depth review with Fraser coming up after after this. And then, as, then next up, after that, I've got a 20-minute or so review with the boys from SuperTap Film Club, who are my friends who run a very silly podcast where they watch bad films and then review them. And um, I'm an upcoming guest on not one, not two, but three of their podcasts. And I'll let you know when that's happening. <laughs> I've got a, it it is a 45-minute in-depth review with Fraser that we did over Skype about Spider-Man Far From Home. Please be aware that this is fully spoiled. There is 100% spoilers in here. We talk about very, very important things that, if you haven't seen Far From Home, will ruin it for you. Far From Home is an incredible film with some very, very serious changes that it makes to the marvel universe so seriously if you've not seen far from home perhaps come back and listen to this episode after you have we normally try and give it about two weeks after a film is released before we start doing spoiler reviews it's been just shy of two weeks by the time this episode is broadcast so yeah absolutely definitely spoilery just to warn you you have been warned and with that i've got to play well i've got to play this again So, with the sounds of J. Jonah Jameson, it's time for the news on Geek of the Week. And it's Mark's favourite time, because it's Revenues! Right. Been in America for a while, but now I'm back to bring Revenues to the show. We've been missing it. And um, pretty fitting that we uh, mentioned J. Jonah Jameson 
it's going to be very fitting, but we'll talk about that later on. But we're talking about Spider-Man Far From Home. Well, right. You, 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 even when you are a million miles away, you annoy me with terms like revenues. It's a great word. It's a great word. It's not a word. You can coin it. All words are made up when you think about it. Well, yes, oh, but... I just... Oh, no. So, far from home. Being far from home can be kind of difficult. For me, I thought far from home was brilliant. Just, oh my goodness. So, it was actually just so amazing. It was everything you could ask for and probably more. It's just, oh, I, just, I was constantly gushing with this film. I cried. I, yeah, I Defo cried, and then I was screaming at the end credit scenes because what? Why? Well, leave the end credit scenes. They're so major. Let's leave those and work oh, our way through the film. Yeah, no. And, and yeah, I, no, no. I knew you would love this film, and I was pretty sure I would love it too, but it, it absolutely blew me away. I just felt like, I don't know, so close to Endgame and after such a huge denouement of however many films, 22 films, the, yeah. the end game hit such a high. How was it possible to bring on a film that would live up Definitely. to that and yeah, bring in yeah. the next generation? And they managed to do it so freaking well. Like, because the thing is, as well, with Endgame, it built on a lot of what was done in the past, but so has Far From Home. Like, um, this was just like one level of the multi level like, layers that they had in this film. Was like, they managed to draw back on so much of the past MCU that was there. A lot of the stuff from Endgame, but a lot of the stuff that dated back from like Civil War and even the first Iron Man, like they have scraped yeah. back in. It's one of those things I love. The thing about Mysterio is spoilers, he deceived Peter. We all sort of semi predicted that maybe he'd be like a hero for a bit and then do some deception, but the level of deception was just so heartbreaking because it was the more and more the relationship between Mysterio and Peter was amazing. Like Quentin Beck and Peter, like. It's like a new role model. He just lost Tony. And like the more and more they were getting closer and closer, and the more and more he was being there for him, I was like, oh no, he's just going to break his heart even more and more. And it's just that when the actual turn happens, like, oh my goodness, and the way they would reveal it. And I love what these Spider Man films have been doing. Like, every one of Spider Man's villains aren't angry at him. They're all enemies of Tony Stark. And it's just enemies of Tony Stark that Peter has to deal with. And I'm so hyped by that. Did you at any point think maybe that 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 Mysterio was gonna stay as a good guy? No, no. From an like from like when the film set, starts off, I'm just like, yeah, no. He's t he's definitely doing a swerve here, just because I think how quickly they dealt with the elementals and how easy they were fixed off. I was like, yeah, there's got there's a whole other part of the film here. And some people have said that like this first half of the film and the second half of the film feel like two separate films and I, I can sort of see where people come from that but I see it more like as a you know when like you watch the animated cartoon and they've had two parties that's what it sort of felt like here like the first part was like introducing Mysterio and then the second one was like Spider-Man versus Mysterio and I think yeah. the same way that that TV show the TV shows the animated TV shows have managed to do that this film did that exceptionally and I thought it was great and the big my favourite thing was the whole Mysterio reveal when he was just like, my cruise, and it's just like, 
it's one of those things, you know, like the huge films where they always do a big reveal at the end and then they explain it all, like those sort of detective sort of stories or like, it was almost like Clue in a way and it was like, and I discovered it from this and this and he points out like all his individuals and it's sort of like, he managed to do like Mysterio in the comics was like, you know, he's a, a specialist that, um, in Hollywood and like visual effects, but they managed to make it look like it was a cast and crew situation but obviously it was all scientists that had been betrayed by like Tony Stark or abused by Stark Industries. And it was, yeah, round of applause to him for that because that was that was great. And that wasn't even like an end of the film reveal. That was like a mid-film reveal where you're like, oh, damn. And Jake Gyllenhaal pulled that off amazingly because like you do believe him and you do think he's got a, such a great relationship with, with Tom Holland off screen. And you could sort of see that reflect on screen as well. And then when that betrayal comes and he becomes that psychopath, you start to see that sort of like Donnie Darko side that Jake Gyllenhaal brings. Is like, yeah, it was like, wow, you really are a villain. You think you're doing right here. You just, you are going about it the wrong way. And I, his intentions as well was always interesting to me. It was like, it was that um, Sinesh, no syndrome thing of like, he wanted to be the hero or he wanted to be listened to. And the only way to do that is to turn yourself into this crazy sort of hero type thing but yeah it was, so the, it was bizarre you're the bad guy for wanting to be the good guy in a lot of ways yeah yeah 100 percent. and it that's a like the villains from like the mc when it started off always like, there was always an issue with its villains but i feel like you know people would say i feel like they've definitely stepped up in like this phase three and like he was another exceptional villain and yeah i think was, so. for me i think the the, the bad guy in this was so understandable that um he it was almost proving himself but going too far and yeah. you know i could see myself behaving like that and no obviously i'd feel guilty afterwards yeah i'd feel guilty afterwards rather than gleeful and then taking it to a well psychotic murderous fraudulent level but I, you can definitely emphasise with Mysterio and all the other characters that yeah. were kind of helping Mysterio. I also like, again, it's another villain who's got a team behind him, like Vulture had a team behind him, now Mysterio's got a team behind him. And, um, yeah, I like it was the whole thing of, as well for me was, like, Tony Stark turning his thing into a joke. He was like, he just called it Barf or whatever it is. And it was like, it's my life's work. And just that call back from Civil War was it amazing. When they talked about Homecoming and they talked about Civil War, there was this article that was released. It was so funny because it was in my um, time hop from two years ago. It was on my Facebook memories from two years ago. I and saw you post like, that and I read it and I was like, yeah, whoa. There's, there's like, there was this Spider-Man arc like that they were going to start from Civil War all the way to... And for the most part, we've seen that with Tony Stark, but now we're seeing it even more that like, oh no, Mysterio's been there since Civil War and like all this other stuff. And that's another thing I love, like, they delve so much into the MCU. Like, this was definitely a film of the MCU, like... I think Nick, so. Nick Fury and Maria Hill, or, you know, being the end credit scene, they are two big end credits as scrolls. You're like, it's in Marvel now, and then that's set in somewhere else. It was, yeah, it was just exceptional. Do, do you want to talk about the, the, teen, the teen romances, or have you got something else before we delve into all that gushiness? I want to talk about how, um, I just wonder, I, I want to speculate how much of this 
was planned and how much of it wasn't. I think having read that article that you shared on Facebook, that yeah. yes, I think from the I think Mysterio was planned from the technology being used as a toy thing. I think that was planned. But what about the guy who was from like Iron Man that was disrespected yeah. by? Do you think that they just kind of rewatched their own films and went, oh, I'll have that? I definitely think that would be the case. Like, someone's looked back at the Iron Man films and they've sort of like, how can we implement more Iron Man into this? Um, especially because the whole film was like, who's going to be the next Iron Man? And I love the whole thing of like, don't be the next Iron Man, be Spider Man. Like, Tony reached out, like, Happy's speech, Happy's relationship with Peter in this was amazing. Like, he was that sort of role model that he needed as a hero. I think that proved that, like, he can, like, Peter now is the superhero who needs to learn on lean on you know the people in his lives who aren't superheroes like mj like aunt may like happy hogan like ned like his friends he's gonna have to lean on them more rather than like the superheroes that he's got many criticism of happy hogan is he's a bit too much of an alfred figure it feels like yeah. it's been done perhaps not it's not that it wasn't done well and i, I love the relationship between peter and happy but i i felt to some extent the the looking after them whilst helping them to be a superhero thing is very much Alfred from from Batman. Uh, I think it's a, it's kind of in a, I get what you're saying and I think I feel like they do it in a different in a different way enough for me where I'm like I'm okay with it. I think cuz Happy was always Happy was always there for Tony and now like it's him you know doing that whole like last thing cuz it it almost seems like it seems like babysitting in homecoming but now it's like no, I'm just here to support you almost as a friend or like... Oh, yeah. Like I say, it's very well done. It just... Um, and uh, I think Happy's... It's it's important for the character that Happy is a very, very different dynamic with Peter than he had with, with Tony. Yeah. And the, the character... The I remember people kicked off about... Uh, happy getting a character. Do you remember when they released those um, Avenge the Fallen posters with all the major characters and Happy got oh, one? Oh, yeah, yeah. People whined about that. And I'm glad that, that you know, a character that I genuinely like is getting more recognition. And it's almost like he did... Having seen this film, it's justified him getting the... Yeah, the Avengers the Fallen for he's a deserving character and he's been there since the beginning, do you know what I mean? And I, it looks like he's gonna be on in the more in the future, which I really think is amazing. And it's he's you know, his his journey now is to help Peter along on his. Like when Peter builds the new suit and he's just like he shows him and it's like because what I liked about that scene as well was like um Happy saw so much to, of Tony and Peter in there in that moment and then when he was building his own suit it was like Oh, we're going back to the good old days now. And I also feel like it was good because it was showing that Peter was smart as well. It's like, yes, he's using Tony's technology, but he is so smart yeah. that he's aware of the technology and how what he needs for his suit. And like that's his next level of his hero's journey. The, the, the character of Peter Parker was always like super nerd, wasn't he? And um, yeah, he's a bit more... The, the, the character in these films is a bit more capable than peter was in a lot of ways yeah I, yeah not with girls but peter oh, that was brilliant. peter yeah. had no friends really in yeah. um in in the original comics and he was very much portrayed as an outcast and i don't really feel that he's an outcast in these films 
No, he's, he's no. He's for girls, but isn't everyone who's 15? Yeah, I think it's also good to highlight that, like, because that's so unrealistic. It's almost unrealistic that, like, no one has no friends. Everyone sort of has some friends. Yeah, you might not be the in crowd or whatever, but, like, you have a group that you sort of lead. Or even if it's just one friend, like, I feel like everyone's... Well, at least I hope everyone's got that. And it's also something for people to aspire for, because a lot of people... You know, if you see a character like that, it's like, oh, Spider-Man's cool and he's got no friends. More people try and aspire for that, maybe, where if they say, like, oh, Peter's got a strong group of friends that support him, like, making people realise that you're not in this alone is just a great message to have in, in life, to be honest, I think. Like, it's ever alone or no one feels like that it's better that they're alone. I mean, there are moments where you need to be alone, but, you know, friends are important. I got deep, Fraser. Really, I did. I was like, I was trying to stop myself before it got too deep, and then I was just like, I'm just gonna roll in on it, keep it going, sw- swing with, swing with it. <laughs> so yeah, should we t- should we do a little side drift and talk about more relationships? Should we talk about Happy Hogan and uh, Aunt May? So funny, Hel- just hilarious. And that's what this I is think- what that film was. This film was hilarious. It was like almost like a teen comment, teen rom com melded in with an action film, melded in with a superhero film. Like, it had so many different layers. Like, the school trip elements were so funny. The two teachers, Mr. Harrington, and I forget the other one's names, were just, like, their dynamic and, like, the whole thing of, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. taking over vacation. And he's just, like, Mr. Harrington's like, oh, I'm the master of upgrades and all that. And, like, just the small things, like, they would knock their head off stuff or whatever, or they'd just be a bit, like, they're dropping the camera in the canal and stuff. It was... And the relationship with Ned Leeds and um, Betty Brandt, because that's amazing because that's from the comics, but, like, the fact that, like, you know, teens will think that their relationship's open and they'll be over in, like, a couple of weeks or something. It, yeah, it, it made me laugh when they got off the... They got off the plane when they got there and they were together. They got off the plane when they got back and they'd broken up. I mean, yeah. that's exactly what teenagers are and, like. They were, st- they were still friends as well. Like, they were still, like, oh, like, caring for one another. I thought that was just... Hilarious, and it also managed to make way for Peter and MJ to sort of have their moments and stuff like that. Because obviously, you know, mm. the bromance between Ned and Peter is so strong that <laughs> it had to be put to a thing. But the stuff with so the stuff with MJ and Peter that's the stuff that actually got me crying when they finally got together and they were like on that bridge getting closer and closer, and then they find the case. I was sapping, I was crying my eyes out, and it, it's it's hilarious as well because I was messing like this. I was, I was I was messaging someone I used to go out with, and I was just saying how like I was like, why were you, why were me and you just Peter and MJ? Because we were talking about um, Far From Home and um, naturally, and I was just like, why were we so like Peter and MJ and stuff like that? Just that, I think capturing that awkwardness of like two people clearly liking each other, but like you know neither one can say anything or they're just like worried that the other one doesn't. I think capturing that was something beautiful to see in. The they did it well. Yeah. I think so. And we've, we've all been there. We've all been super awkward and super yeah, incapable. More realistic than, like, it's been done in the past. Like, the stuff with, like, in the first loads of films, like, MJ just looks so cool that Peter was just like, how did this Peter end up with her? But the fact that MJ's awkward, also awkward in this made it great. In, like, the amazing Spider-Man stuff, you know, like, Gwen Stacy and Peter were just both cool were both cool, so it could sort of, it made sense that they were together. And I was like, oh yeah, they're both cool. Like, And that's a usual sort of like teen rom-com you see is like two people who are just cool. But seeing the awkwardness was like, oh my goodness, that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've never got about you. You're, you're confident in almost everything. 
But then when it comes to girls, rubbish. Yeah, no. Oh, no, it's awful. It's what I'm saying. It's like if I'm confident with a girl, it usually means I'm like not interested. If it's if I'm gushing and making a fool of myself, that's when you know. <laughs> yeah, and I've seen it. And it's just like, oh, why am I always accidentally smooth when I don't, oh, don't want to be? And then as soon as I'm trying to do anything, it's just like, oh, no. Love and that's the thing, it. isn't it? This 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 film had a lot of characters that are very easy to empathise with. I think yeah. perhaps maybe I I got on better empathically with empathetically with Happy, whereas you get on better with um, with with Peter. Definitely. But I I remember being like Peter. It's yeah, um. It's got the, the characters are believable. The motivations are believable. The the humanity and the subplots are believable, even though it's a Spider-Man film and there's there's a teenage boy using sticky ropes to swing around Europe. I mean, what? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's daft stuff in it like that. You just think, but yeah, it's all it all feels so real. <laughs> yeah, and like the illusion stuff was amazing uh, what they, they were doing as well like with Mysterio just speaking of the stuff in Europe because like MJ played a big part in that like when she found the thing when it came up and MJ yeah. found it I was like and that was when I was like yeah he's definitely stupid and that made me realise how they're stupid and it was like oh this is all simulations and it was cool simulations as well because it's stuff that like was thrown away really with in Civil War like it was just like oh yeah I just made this just because um, you know I was feeling sad and now like that Almost abuse of power or abuse of technology is sort of messed with Peter. Um, yeah, the, the, the blase attitude that, you know, as much as he was a father figure and a good guy in a lot of ways and a role model, he was very, very rich, very, very spoilt and very, very blase about a lot of things. And I liked how this film didn't over kind of like, didn't over idolise. Yeah. And Manon gave us a real perspective of how the society saw him with stuff like the murals and then how the reality was where, you know, a lot of the time he was a spoiled brat. Yeah, and it was cool as well how, like, um, he was always in Peter's mind. It was always in Peter's back. Like, even when he's on the plane, like, there's a, a film that you can watch on the United Airlines, which is about Tony. There's pictures of Tony. There's paintings of Tony everywhere he goes. But it wasn't a thing of like he was constantly like, oh, Miss Tony, oh, Miss Tony. It was just, it, there was just constant reminders until like, you know, and then when everything went to, everything went to Sugar Honey Iced Tea and he's there yeah. falling to Hogan, that's when he's like, I think the worst part of all of this is that I just miss Tony. Like all this is going wrong and I don't even have like a Tony to go to. And that was when it was nice yeah. that Hogan came into it and MJ came into it. But, like, MJ, that scene with MJ and Peter was just beautiful. And um, those beautiful scenes in this, like like in Home, like in Homecoming, there was a scene with you know when it's revealed that Vulture is the mother of um, Liz and stuff like that. There was cool elements in here with the romance as well. Like when they're on the Charleston Bridge, yeah. you know, it's like Peter's about to tell her how he feels. She she's like wanting to say something else, and then it's that whole thing of like. She guesses she's Spider Man, and when he works it out, and he was like, Oh, is that the, is that like, 
it sent you both ways if you if you get what I'm saying. Like we were thinking, yeah. this is a scene where they're going to emotionally get together, and it's and then it's like, oh no, it's and now it's revealed that it's her finding out she knows he's Spider Man, and then he's like, okay, so he's crushed, and then but then he's talking about is that the only reason you follow me? And you can sort of see in MJ's thing is like, no, I actually like you. So I was like, oh, is there going to be something more? And then another action thing hits, and that you know they drop the simulation thing, and then that gets revealed in like before you can even like keep on that emotional thing, you're back into the action. And I think that just highlights the balance it was between the romance and the action. Like the, the romance would start to blossom and then you're in an action scene. Then you're in, you know, yeah. a fight or whatever. And then it all comes together, that action and the romance managed to fit at the end. It was it was great. I also want to talk a bit about Flash Thompson because I think he did, he, he had a great, like a great, part of this um and a great part of this film like the whole flash mob thing and him streaming was again another comedic very clever but also also highlighted the flash thompson character that they're going for here like he's just you know he's not just a but like a cool bully he's pretty lame himself as well which is kind of cool and it's also like the like, like what the modern jock or the modern bully would be like um which i also really really enjoyed and i also liked that he was like Spider-Man watches my videos, Spider-Man's a follower. And it's like, oh my goodness, like, he's still so lame. He loves Spider and it's... it's um, it was fun. And I, 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 I liked how it was put as very throwaway, put as very throwaway, put as very throwaway. Oh, wait, it's a very, very it's incredibly important plot point. Yeah, because he's hacking phones and so he can see... Yeah, no, that was... Nothing was a throwaway in this, if you know what I mean. Like, even the, the sappy stuff they would like the cheesy stuff they were doing like with the school trip and that nothing was an actual throwaway like the school trip wasn't wasted it meant that his friends were in danger it meant that you know the relationships could develop there and like you know we could see the character develop from no longer needing um iron man he can just rely on his friends and like yeah like flashes flashes streams became a part of it all and yeah they managed to wove it all together really well which was an impressive task to be fair because it's something that doesn't need to be done you know flash can just be doing them just to develop his character but the fact that it implemented into the story as well was like bravo fair play i see you there good job awesome <laughs> uh, i'm trying to think if there's and there's definitely a, a load to unpack with this film like um, but, but i want to talk about how they adapted mysterio who is you know, a very, very old school character who was essentially just a guy in a stupid outfit. And with, yeah, made for laughs, who had some ability in, um, in, 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 in the theatre and, and some holograms and then oh. became this. It, the yeah. modern take was brilliant. Exactly. And it was, it fit again into the MCU's sort of pathway. The modern take on Mysterio was really dope, and it was like the way they were able to implement the like um, illusions and stuff like that you typically see with a Mysterio fight where it's all like smoke and mirrors. Well, they did it with technology, it was incredible. I also loved, 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 loved the fight scenes with Mysterio, they were absolutely epic. And I'm so glad that he brought up Mysterio because that was something I really wanted to talk about. Was like the way it was almost psychedelically damaged, psychology, psychological. Psychologically, psychologically was um was epic like the whole thing of like you're just a boy in like sweatpants and stuff like that you're nothing without turn and the 
some of it was really creepy like that like maybe if you were a better hero he wouldn't be dead and it was the team like the tombstone was there and like the iron man suit was coming out of all the bugs and spiders and it was all really creepy and all exactly what mysterio is and we were watching it like and in the cinema there's some kids in there and i was like this is kind of like semi-damaging but it was all relevant to the story as well and relevant to spider-man's journey which made it even more psychedelically damaging and it's like oh my goodness and then and but then the fact that he used his because the whole thing of like the first couple of films everyone was like does spider-man have spider senses and he was using it quite a bit and they joke with it like a peter tingle here but he used that to when he was using that for the fight i was like this is so epic he's channeling into his powers he's becoming the spider-man we know and want him to be this is epic and he finally you know takes him down by using his spider senses i was like that's epic, and that's how a Mysterio and Spider-Man fight should go, you know. Mysterio is not actually a, a well-equipped fighter. He's just able to, you know, use the psychedelics and use the illusions to mess with Peter and damage him. And, yeah, it was good. And Peter used one of his classic powers to take him down, and I thought it was it was amazing. We were able to see classic Mysterio but in a modern world, and it wasn't cheesy in camp. And the fact that they almost sort of joked with the cheesy in campness, like he was like, I'm from another world these elementals are going to destroy the earth and it was such a cheesy premise but the fact that nick fury believed it because of all the stuff that's going on and the fact that he wasn't nick fury he was a, a skull probably didn't help the situation where i was like i know that's <laughs> kind of crazy this could be true um i like how they use the wacky storyline to like make people believe mysterio was actually here and he was like can you believe they believed all that and it's like yeah yeah comics can be kind of uh <laughs> Yeah, you have to suspend your belief quite a bit. <laughs> right, here's the thing. The the way they adapted Mysterio and made him sinister and intelligent and nasty and modern really resonated well with me. And you compare that to the Mandarin, which yeah, I thought yeah. fell flat. They, they, they had to get Mysterio right yeah. because they were mucking around with the original character like they did with the Mandarin. They had to get it right, and they got it absolutely bang on. A person to fit for it as well, like Jake Gyllenhaal, absolutely nailed it as Mysterio. I mentioned it before, like in previous in this discussion, but yeah. Well, the thing about Jake Gyllenhaal, they can now get actors with that level of ability, that level of you, know, true, you, you true. get people that are that good at, at acting, and that pretty. I think Marvel can now pretty much get everyone. Convince everyone to play someone in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, even like a small one-off role or something like that. They managed to do it, or like a big one-off role like this situation. It's kind of interesting, and I want to use this as a segue to talk about the post credit scene. But So you know in the original Sam Raimi f- movies, um, Toby <laughs> Maguire had a, back, had a bit of a back injury, and he was playing it off to get more money. And there's a point where they were actually going to replace him for Jake Gyllenhaal, and Jake Gyllenhaal is going to be Spider-Man in uh, Spider-Man 2. So it's kind of funny and kind of come full circle that now he's playing Mysterio in this and he's just done so well with it. I think it's really epic. And yeah, with that, do you want to talk about the post-credit scene that actually made me lose my sugar honey iced tea? Starts off with a beautiful MJ and Peter swinging around. It's all nice and cute. And then we get this news report that Mysterio had, you know, so it's, I love it when, I was kind of gutted that Mysterio did die in this, spoilers, because I was like, oh, I'd love to see him in the Sinister Six. But the fact that his death, he left this massive impression because he used, again, he used technology to defeat Peter and he used media manipulation in, those, in a way, 
which you know is so strong in our in our real world now that it's it, it it's about time it plays part of as a villainous um project yeah the mcu i was going to say it's like the adaptation the modernization of mysterio was done so well and then the adaptation and modernization of j jonah jameson j jonah jameson used newspapers in the 60s to yeah. to victimize spider-man and that would have been incongruous in a modern society yeah. so j jonah jameson, j jonah jameson is now a an online hack and that's yeah Brilliant. Brilliant. I loved his I absolutely loved, loved, loved as well the fact that it was JK Simmons. I lost. I just lost it. I was like, no. no. Like at first I was like, no, no, no. The turn like when they say when it was like um they turned Spider-Man into a villain, I was like, no, stop this news line. I was like, stop it, that's so ridiculous. No. And this is where it's this is where Spider-Man's gonna be leading and he's gonna be like public enemy, which is a recent comic line they've been doing, and I was like no, right. he's gonna be. Put, I was like, this is awesome. And then when it was like, he even revealed who Peter Parker was. I was like, no, that's post Civil War stuff that they did in the comics. I was like, stop, this is awful. And then I was like, oh, it would have been awesome if the news site was, um, you know, the Daily Bugle. And then they mentioned the Daily Bugle. I was like, no way, are we gonna see J.K. Are we gonna see J. Jonah Jameson? We did see J. Jonah Jameson. Not only did we see J. Jonah Jameson, we saw J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. I absolutely. I lost it. We were in these recliner chairs. I was just sunken into the chair, and I was like, I can't. He is J. Jonah Jameson. He and I, I mean, it's a massive coup that they got him back. And I love yeah. that they got him back. Apparently, it was. I was reading up on it. It's one of the last things they filmed, and it was all done in huge secrecy. They just brought right. him in yeah, and no uh, did a green screen no with him. There's speculation around this, and it's like, how How can you... Amazing that they've managed it in such a, like, a hard time to keep stuff secret. The fact that they managed to do that, like it didn't spill out at all. I didn't get to see this yeah. opening day and I didn't get this spoiled for me. Again, I have been in camp though and there's like no internet and we're basically in the wilderness. But still, I imagine well, someone like would have run into the woods screaming, J.K. Simmons is J. Jonah Jameson again. Like, it's the kind of stuff you expect, you know? <laughs> well, I, I came out of the cinema on, I watched it on the Tuesday it was launched. I came out of the cinema and the first thing I did was message you and say, you need to watch this film. And it was yeah. because J.K. Simmons was here as, Jay, as J. Jonah Jameson in in the mid-credit scene. Our news, feed, our news feed now is even more relevant. He's back at it again. With the news he does. Feed, he doesn't are... need photos of Spider-Man anymore, though. No, no. He needs videos of Spider-Man. He needs uh, incriminating uh, footage of Spider-Man. <laughs> my, oh, my goodness. Absolutely lost it. And I, I, do, I do need to point out as well, I just remembered I've not mentioned it. I watched this film in my Spider-Man onesie because I'm there are many photos in, on people's like Snapchats and Instagram stories. I haven't managed to see any of them, um, but everyone's just taking a look at the photos of me just crumpled and mess in the um, in these nice reclining seats, just being like, "What even was that?" But it was so amazing, and it was a it was an amazing experience. Like uh, I was just walking around this you know middle middle of Ohio um, in my Spider-Man suit. People were like, "Yo, Spidey!" and it was it was a cool experience. Some kids were, like walking away, were, like wanted to take a photo, and I was like, "Oh, that would have been cool and cute." But and um, so that's my fallback, you know. If uh, if uh, if camp doesn't work out right now, uh, I'm just gonna go to a cinema and just be like, "I can be Spider-Man for a bit, take photos." Have you seen it in Times Square where there's like Spider-Man that are there? But they look uh, a bit like Spider-Man on drugs, or Spider-Man. Like, they look like the Spider-Man from the Popsicle in. Um, into the Spider-Verse. <laughs>
I was going to say that I wanted that I I really in an ideal world I would have loved to have watched this with you because yes. I'd have loved to have seen your reaction to J Jonah Jameson. I would I have I, I'd have enjoyed that as much as anything. Back, yeah, if I could turn back time, I would definitely have put a video camera somewhere just because just it was there was so much going on. I was just like no no no. <laughs> And um, oh, although I, now I now I don't wish I'd sat and watched it with you because you'd have been sat next to me in your Spider-Man suit, and I I, I just don't I want. I, don't. I definitely would have made you wear yours as well. I kind of like. No, you wouldn't. I'm not. I'm not wearing a Spider-Man suit in public. You might have thought you were my dad, or like. You care. You care, yeah. Which you know sometimes you are. <laughs> Okay, I'll be your happy Hogan. That's fine. I'd spent the whole film thinking that it was just brilliant. It was great, and Mysterio was an odd choice because he is such a hokey villain. But yeah, the whole film was great brilliant, choice. and I, I came out of it thinking, "Oh, that was amazing. I'm glad that I'm glad that it was good." Oh my goodness, J. Jonah Jameson. And, and in a way, you say like, "Oh, what a film!" And then those end credit scene make the film even even greater. Like I don't even know if the I think the end credit scene might be maybe better than the better than the film or maybe like leaves you like because there's a lot of people saying like oh this is amazing it's the best like some people have said like it's the best film in their opinion in the MCU and I was like don't get me wrong it was a deep like it was an extremely decent film and it went so well and I absolutely adore Spider Man so I'm obviously gonna love it but I think that the end credit scene just because that's the last thing you see it leaves you on such a high that maybe like people have had a different higher opinion of it than maybe what they would have done without those well that's what those end credit scenes are supposed to do a lot of them sometimes leave you just like oh, okay that's an end credit scene i appreciate that but this was an end credit scene where i was like no i'm so glad i stayed if i didn't stay i was like where you're like you stay for the end credit scene you're like oh that's kind of cute that was kind of nice like it's an ambient yeah. the drums yeah sweet and I, you know i'll stay for any end credit credit scenes of course i will and I, I i would like to go and see the end credits that they've added at the end of endgame I'll let you know what they added. So, you know the first two minutes of of Far From Home? Nick Fury and Maria Hill go to Mexico and they see the sandstorm before before the intro, the Marvel intro. That's what they added. They added a beautiful tribute to Stanley. Both of them I recommend going for. Unless you've already seen Far From Home, then you've seen basically it. But I would go just for the Stanley video. That was really cool. But then, yeah, then, then they did this, like, it was like this Hulk scene that hadn't even been finished yet. It was still like under CGI yeah. and stuff. It was. Oh, so you've actually seen it? Yeah, yeah. I saw it la- my last day off, and it was. That's definitely something we could have talked about on the show, actually. Like the six minutes, just to let any of you know. Um, if you d- want to see the six minutes yourself, sorry, you've probably just been ruined by it. But there's a t- really touching Stanley um, video, and it's talking about all the cameos he's in. It's you know, it's a bit lovely feature that you would love to see on a DVD. Um, and they have a thing of like, we love you, Stan 3000, which was beautiful. Then they did this, te- it was a terrible Hulk scene that y- you can tell not only did they get rid of it earlier on, but it's also a scene that would have like, is easily get removable when you've got three hours. It's just like, it wasn't needed. Um, and then the first two minutes of Far From Home, which is pretty cool to see. It got me hyped. Uh, if it's only the first two minutes of Far From Home, I thought I didn't realize it was that, but um, fair enough. But, but going back to the credit scenes thing, a lot of them, like Howard the Duck, it was just to pop the fans who like Howard the Duck, who liked... Yeah, um, yeah. And whereas 
again, I, I wonder, but I, I, obviously it's almost impossible to be critical of this film. The it, No one has been. It's got like 91% on Rotten Tomatoes at the moment, Dude, something like that. That's awesome. And um, the only thing that I can think of is, does the huge impact, the double impact of both of the cutscenes undermine how brilliant the film is by making that the thing that people remember the most? Maybe, potentially, or maybe it could just add to it. Like, I feel like, I definitely feel like if I was to rewatch this film, it might be just for the end credit scene and to to try and remember more of the film. Because I remember quite a significant, a lot about it, but those end credit scenes are, they're the first point of conversation. If you're talking about this film, the first part you really want to talk about, um, apart from us too, because, you know, we want to sort of do it kind of chronologically so it's a bit easier for people who are listening. But um, but yeah, like the first part you want to talk about is probably that end credit. Like if you only save, oh, you, you we've only got ten minutes to talk about Far From Home. You know, we both wanted but to I talk about like it. Your... Actively yeah. stop ourselves. Yeah, definitely. And it, I think that just illustrates how impactful they were. But I think you do raise a good point, and it'd be interesting to get the listeners' perspective, like whether or not it undermines the film, or whether or not they feel like it adds to it, or if it's like, or if it's its own separate entity. It can be both as well. Or if it's like, or if people feel like it's its own separate entity at this point, like, but you know, you the put you uh, process the end credit scene differently than you do the film. Like there can be films that are amazing films, have poor uh, post credit scenes. There's terrible films that have amazing post credit scenes. For the Dark World wasn't a great film, but the post-credit scenes were better than the film itself. Um, far from uh, Homecoming, some people don't like the Captain America post-credit scene. I think it's hilarious and it adds to the story. I thought it was clever. I think, um, but there I are think some people the, who don't like that. I think there was definitely a thing where they decided, look, we we didn't have a, an Endgame post-credits, and let's people were expecting one. So let's, let's smash it, you know, um, keep people on their toes. Yeah, I also want to talk about, this is probably, might have to be the last point we talk about, because um, I'm, do, I'm being very active in America, so I'm, I'm going to be out on the move soon, so, um, but I want to get this in. I, I also loved, because, like, when we had the intro for um, Homecoming, like, the Marvel, it was, like, the Spider-Man theme, but for this one, it was, like, this, and, uh, and I was, like, this is really weird intro, and it was that awkward um, video you. from... From the from the high school, and I was like, oh, this is brilliant. And it also just it got you in the mindset of like, this is going to be a quirky like teen school film, but it also addressed all the is- issues that Endgame brings. And it was it's definitely a film that you need to have probably seen Endgame. It's definitely. But I love that the fact they didn't steer away from Endgame. Like they start it straight away with like, you know, Cap's gone, Thingy's gone. They talk about the blip. There's some people in the school who are five years older now and some people who stayed the same. Yeah, which is what you and I predicted, actually. Yeah, and I love the introduction of the Brad character. Like, he's a kid who was, like, this nerd, like, this little boy, and now he's, like, the same age as them all. And he's a potential threat for Peter and MJ's relationship. Yeah. It was like, Brad, get out of the way, Brad. And I love how that, like, that Brad character, it sort of turns on him as well. It's like, why are you taking photos of people weird? And, like, MJ turns on him as well. And I thought, oh, that's cute. That's like a nice, a good old, a girl defending her boy. I was going to say a woman defending her man, but it's definitely a girl defending her boy. <laughs> a human defending their human. Yeah, there we go. That's 2019 for you. But I, I, I really liked how it, 
I wouldn't go as far as rushed, but it was definitely um, it was definitely concise quickly. Yeah, and they showed footage as well. Like I love the band, like they're doing band practice one day. They all fade away, and it also made it feel even more grim because like they're people's children, and it doesn't like the comedy didn't take away from the blip. Um, it actually like emphasised it more. Like whoa, this affected everyone's lives. And then when they come back as well. And like MJ's whole project is, I love that MJ had a project. Like she, she had Beast in the Spider-Man video game, and in this she's got this. Like people will be homeless from the blip because you know people would have resold houses, people would have moved in or whatever. Or people be you know completely out of place. And I like that she's working on that. They're using Spider-Man as like a little um, promotional tool, sort of sponsor almost. So I, I really did enjoy that as well. Like they're living in this. End post end game world. And it was very, it was, was very cleverly done. It was very, it was concise, but it was also very sensitive. And yeah. I think, I think it would, it's something that they could have done a whole film on or a whole TV show. And yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd yeah. like to see that, but it wasn't what we needed for Spider Man. We needed yeah. to a quick, a quick explanation that was sensitive and, and it nice. did have an impact with Brad, like you say, but it yeah. wasn't the focus of the film. I think this is going to. Be- I concluding for and I'll let you do a bit of spiel before we um, end this. It also highlighted how they've managed to bring so many different elements together. Funny that said elements with elementals. But like they worked on the post end game effects, like the blip, the fa- the final snap, the five years later. They talked about what it what this world's gonna be like now without Tony, Peter dealing without being there for Tony, how Spinon's gonna have to step up be a hero, the difference between being friendly neighborhood and worldwide and international and like Bitch, please, you've been to space and all that, but also like other oh, stuff from the MCU, like the scrolls are still around. Like it, it managed to fit so much into one film and one Spider Man film where it's like we still got a Spider Man story. Like the, it wasn't just an MCU film that featured Spider Man, but it wasn't a Spider Man film that was just like so isolated and on its own. It was, it was a yeah. perfect blending connection of it. And yeah, I loved it. They equally spread it everything together. Yeah, I, it was. It was amazing. I was always gonna. Love, I feel like I was always gonna love it. They could have literally just done Spider-Man swinging for like five minutes, just going around town. And I also loved that they did a PS4 reference when he was swinging around and he took himself. He was like, "Oh, that's from the Spider-Man PS4 game." And apparently, some people from the Insomniac group that made the game were watching it together and got, like had a little nerd moment. And I think that was beautiful. And it just that's shows cool. how they they've implemented all Spider-Man media into these um, things like games, TV shows and comics into one. And I just loved it, man. It was amazing. I want to see it like five more times. And well, I'm going to, I'm probably going to see it again at least once. I wanted to ask you, how did you feel about the trailer heavily teasing that there was a multiverse and then basically there isn't a multiverse yet? No, brilliant. I thought it was amazing Uh, because I'm all, all for a multiverse or whatever, but maybe not yet. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, like that can be something next board in phase four, maybe, or like maybe when Peter's a bit older, or maybe when Peter gets replaced by Miles. Like, if we have a full story with Peter and we have Peter's death and then we introduce Miles in the multiverse, I'm more than okay with that. I got my dose of the multiverse with Into the Spider-Verse. I'm more than, like, I feel like animation's definitely an easier way to explore multiverse than live action is. And I think stuff like the CW has suffered from multiverses after a while. Like, after a while, it's just like, wait, who's this? Whose version of this? And it also gets rid of the whole thing of, like, when people are dead, are they actually dead? And, yeah, so I'm glad that they, they 
they they knew multiverses were in people's head. They teased people about it and then yeah. just took it away from them. I thought it was brilliant. Sort of like <laughs> like they did it better than they did like in Iron Man when they teased the Mandarin and they got rid of it. Like that was kind of a oh no, that's kind of an insult. But this was like, no, that was very smartly done. At least that's why I, I, I don't know what liked, you thought about it. I really liked it and I thought the the it's another um example of very, very clever trailers. They like they did with Endgame, all the analysis of how many hairdos Black Widow had. Yeah, and, yeah. And just throwing that line in made everybody speculate fan theories and, and it's so clever. It's so clever that they do this with their trailers now. You can't you you, you you get these films where you, you basically see well. you see the trailer, you might as well not go to the film. You've seen a summary of what happened. That's true. And the the Spider-Man trailer turns out was very, very clever, very, very well done. Threw you more red herrings than the film itself. Because I really thought that um Flash's uh, blogging was just to make him just to make him look like an idiot. But yeah. That, well, that wasn't a red herring. It was actually a really important part of the film. Yeah, so, the, so yeah. I love, the, I love the the fact that Marvel are clearly so bright with what they put in their trailers. It's yeah, it just it made me smile and go, "Well done, you got yeah. me." A bit of a applause. Now, I'm really sad that I got to do this. I've got a um, head hope, but it's been incredible um, being able to be a part of the show again. It kind of like low key discussion about comics, and it's. I have been listening, and I've been. It's funny hearing my like pre-recorded voice, my pre-blip voice, and now I, I've blipped back. I've blipped back onto the show. Um, <laughs> got to force that reference in. I blipped back in for a bit, and I'm glad <laughs> I got to talk to talk to you about Far From Home. Love to talk even more about Far From Home. Like even when I come back, and it's like I know this is my first show back, and I know we already talked about Far From Home, but I've watched it five more times, and I want to say this is. Well, there's no reason why you can't do that i miss you so much and it has been brilliant to talk to you and um i'm looking forward to putting this in the show and by the yeah. time this airs you'll only be like three shows away from coming back I'm, I'm coming back i'm sneaking my way back <laughs> be excited i'm so i'm hyped i'm having an amazing time here can't lie I had a great time in america and still having a fantastic time but i am happy i'm keen to be back on the show been good. I'm looking forward to having you back, man. It's not like it was, it's not been as hard as I thought it was to put the show together, but I've just missed you, man. Yeah, just that comfort blanket, I think. Right. <laughs> I've had a I've had a fab time being on air here. I'm far from home, but soon I'll be back home. Next up is another review of. Spider-Man Far From Home. We are going full Spider-Man here, but this time, and it's with my friends from the SuperTap Film Club podcast, and this is a new podcast run by Malachi J. Matthews and Hollywood Fletch. Malachi J. Matthews is a colleague of mine in professional wrestling. He has sat alongside me for a very, very long time as the Hope Wrestling commentary team, and he's a very good film, a uh, very good friend of mine. And very much into film. And very much into bad film. So the Super Tap Film Club picks a bad 80s, 90s, cheesy horror or cheesy thriller, action, whatever film. And does an, an ironic review 
as their podcast, and it's brilliant. Malachi and Fletch have a uh, a great a great rapport, and you can find this on all your good podcast sites. And they've had me on as a guest three times. These are pre-recorded shows, so they're not out there yet. But um, I will let you know when I'm on SuperTap Film Club because I've definitely reviewed some interesting stuff. So while I was there recording for them, I thought I would record for us as well. So it's a slightly different look at um, Spider-Man Far From Home with Hollywood Fletch, who has seen it and loves the franchise, and Malachi J. Matthews, who has not seen it, does not like the franchise, and doesn't care. So um, this is me alongside the SuperTap Film Club boys with our slightly odd review of Spider-Man Far From Home. Welcome back to Geek of the Week. This is a, um, well I've got a couple of guests with me. I've got Malachi J. Matthews and Hollywood Fletch. Say hello boys. Hello. 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 You're, you're sounding husky Malachi. I am very husky, very husky indeed. I've had a very shouty weekend. Well, that is kind of your job being shouty, so you've, you've obviously done a good job. I've done a good job, yeah. People hate me. <laughs> I, took a, I took a light tube to the head. For, for, for context, Malachi is... Um, uh, you're, you're a wrestling manager and or commentator. Yes. To, but you were a manager who I, did bad things. A manager who did bad things, yeah. Right. I invaded a show, but I got my comeuppance. Good, I'm glad. light tube across the head. I will warn you, before we go any further... Geek of the Week is family friendly, so no swearing, please. Particularly you, Malachi J. Matthews. Okay, okay, Matt, I'll try. I'll <laughs> try. I'll, I can probably. I won't be saying much anyway because I haven't actually seen the film. Well, yes, we're going to talk about your podcast before oh, we start well, okay. talking about Spider Man Far From Home. Um, Hollywood Fletch and Malachi J. Matthews have been kind enough to invite me onto um, Super Tap Film Club, the podcast. Tell me about Super Tap Film Club. So, do you want to do it, Fletch, for a minute? Yeah, yeah, so... Because <laughs> you're I'll, that husky. Uh, I'll step in. <laughs> Super Tap Film Club is a... What started off as uh, Malachi making a playlist of films available on YouTube. Good and films or...? Tat films. Okay, explain tat films to me. So tat films are those low-budget, schlocky, um, horror and action films... Often a lot of fun, but often the the so bad it's good genre. Give me some examples of these films. Well, we've done. Um, let's see. We've Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Hard Ticket to Hawaii. That sounds magnificent. Hands of Steel. That ha- Hands of Steel, which <laughs> is kind of like a Terminator ripoff. Okay. Magnificent. Um, we double, did Double Dragon. Double, double Dragon. dragon we Double Dragon with you, didn't we, Mark? We have. Well, I've. <laughs> Spoilers, we've recorded way ahead. I'm actually on the show three times and we've discussed Slugs, Double Dragon and Cheerleader Camp. Yeah. So um, I will let you know when I'm on Super Tap Film Club so you can listen. But you should listen in anyway, particularly if you like tap films. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a laugh, isn't it? Yeah. And it's a weekly podcast weekly on all your podcast. favourite podcast sites where you listen to Geek of the Week, basically. There you go, yeah. We're out subscribe. every Tuesday. Yeah. At five o'clock, and you can follow us on Instagram um, at Supertat FC. Um, I think we've got Twitter as well, haven't we? Yes, yeah, same again, Supertat so, yeah. FC on Twitter. So yeah, I, yeah, I'm struggling with Instagram. I find it hard. Mark, you don't know how to use it properly, do you? No, I don't. No, I don't. No, you but, need to be on that. You need to be on that, but yeah. <coughs> online presence, isn't it? Online yeah. presence. No, I know. <laughs> but it's, anyway, instead <coughs> of talking about tap films today. 
And, and uh, um, are you going to say Spider-Man is an attack film? I am absolutely going to say Spider-Man. <laughs> a man who gets film. bitten by a radioactive spider and then wears a costume running around saving people because he's got the power of a spider. Well, yeah, but Tom Holland's paid more than the entire budget of any of the films we've watched on Super Attack Film Club. I mean, look at Rampage, Mark. Rampage? You mean the one with um, the, rock the, rock. the Rock in it? Are you saying that's not a tap film? <sighs> I don't know. Anacondas. I don't. I think. I think they need to be a certain age to be a tap film as well. No, no, I disagree no. with that. Okay. Also, there's that. an independent aspect to yeah. the tap film as yes, well. Yes, I think so. Okay, well. this is not independent, and this is big budget. And um, we, we could discuss tap films on on, on your oh, podcast yeah, we'll rather do, than we'll do that. rather than geek of the week. You know, yeah, we okay. could maybe do that. All right, that. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to um, talk about Spider-Man Far From Home and um, Fletcher's seen it and, and, and Malachi hasn't. No. So um, we're just going to spoil it for you, but essentially... Sorry. That's fine. That's fine. I mean, with me personally, I'm a bit fed up of the whole of Avengers thing now. Why so? It's just, it's very long, isn't it? It's very long. Do you have superhero fatigue? Yeah, I really enjoyed it when all this stuff started happening. It was really good, but then it's just... I'm not the sort of person that watches... I was about to say on a pod, I do a podcast about films, but I'm not the sort of person that will sit and watch a lot of TV, unless it's for a reason, like a podcast. So to watch just a load of film, I don't know. I watched Endgame because I wanted to see it end. Did you cry? No. Did you cry, Fletch? I'm going to make a confession. Um, I actually switched off Endgame. Really? Yeah. He didn't like it. Uh, Something happened in it which basically summed up everything that I didn't like about... I mean, I love the Marvel films just as much as anyone else does. Mm. We all want to see the quips and the fights and things like that. But there's just this one thing that's always bothered me about those films, which is how they never resolve anything. And I think a lot of people have said this about it as well. But you've got the... It's a franchise. They're kind of pushing to... Yeah, but they always kind of refer to the next film and then in the next film they just ignore that plot point that they've just created. Why not just keep telling that story that you've created? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we yeah. are probably the worst people to have... We're just going to make you feel down on Spider-Man after you, this. You cannot make me feel down on Spider-Man. I will say Spider-Man is... My favourite. I love Spider Man. That's my that's my childhood favourite, which I think is the same for a lot. Of and what's your thoughts on Tom Holland? I feel like he is the best cinematic Spider Man that we've ever had. He's the right age. He's he's slim. He's slim. He's small. He looks like how Spider Man is in my head. Whereas Tobey Maguire, how hench was he? And he looked forty. Yeah, I mean, I did like those Sam Raimi films, but. I didn't. The new, yeah, the new new Spider-Man has got to be yeah, the best. Bang on, isn't it? Yeah, he's the best live-action Spider-Man. I like I'll tell the, you that. Yeah. <laughs> I like the one with uh, Michael Keaton as that bird fella. Yeah, that's well. Yeah, that's, yeah, that, the, that's that the first, the first that's part the first of this one. one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the vulture the is who you're looking for. That bird fella. <laughs> Good work, Malachi. <laughs> um, so we're just going to quickly have a chat about our thoughts about uh, Far From Home and spoil it as much as we possibly can for Malachi J. Matthews. Iron Man is dead. Oh, no, that, you already I saw that. that. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, Iron Man is dead. Yeah. And he went to space and he got all thin. <laughs> and then he came back from space and he put that glove on. He did. And then uh, 
that finished him off. It did. That was a big funeral. It was. Um, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Quite. So the, the, the film is about, in a lot of ways, it's about Spider-Man's angst about whether or not he can be as much of a superhero as Iron Man was. The new Tony Stark. And for me... Mm. Tony Stark's a vile human being. <laughs> and and I love how Spider-Man's idolised him and made him into... put him on this pedestal when everybody knows that Tony Stark wasn't actually a nice guy and wasn't actually a very good superhero. He just blagged it. But I think that that's... I think the, the depiction of hero worship is actually really, really good in this film. Mm. And that passes on to Mysterio as well, where he sees this perfect guy who's confident at what he does and doing well at what he wants to be good at and doesn't see through any of the, it the does, bad. It does bring up a good point about how this has been going on for a long time now and at this point superheroes are everyone just kind of puts their blind faith into them, don't they? Mm. And I think this might start I mean it starts an interesting point that I think would be interesting to explore as they go along but well, the Marvel like, films aren't happening yeah. any, aren't, aren't stopping anytime soon, are no. they? But that's, but that's a really interesting plot point. I thought the idea of this superhero turning up and going, "It's me, another one," and everyone just going, "Brilliant, right? Okay, you sort it out yeah. then." And I, I did. What, what was it called? Night Monkey. Night I did, Monkey. I did enjoy the Night Monkey thing. What's I... Night Monkey? <laughs> well, <laughs> there's, there's a part of the film where. Um, Spider-Man is in a all-black suit because um, he's been given this by Shield. Uh, as a kind of like a stealth suit, and also so that he's not, they don't associate Spider Man as being in where he is. Yeah. So his school friends don't kind of cut right. on. That's yeah. right. So Spider Man's cool. always here whenever he leaves. Yeah. But um, <laughs> they they haven't named this superhero. Mm -hmm. So um, Spider Man's best mate, his name I can't remember, um, makes up a name on the spot and then comes up with Night Monkey. And Night Monkey sticks and it gets broadcast around all the world, and it's brilliant. I, I think the Spider-Man films might be the funniest as well. I, I know they, they're all very funny. Yeah. But the humour in the Spider-Man ones, they are, they are hilarious, I think. Yeah. And um, I, love, I love how they can make it funny, but then have all this incredibly powerful emotional stuff as well. Mm. And um, it, it just shows that the quality of the writing that can make your emotions go up and down rather than just have one for the whole film, you know? Yeah, yeah. And this is something that I think is why these films have managed to stay around for yeah. so long. Yeah. You know, I think at the end of the day, if, if they still, if they just continue making good ones like this, then we won't, as a collective, get bored of them. Mm. So, I was, <laughs> I was, I can't even remember who I was talking to it about, but the, the Mysterio thing, how Mysterio has been modernised, because I mean, Mysterio's been around since the 60s, yes. and he was all wibbly-wobbly, magic-y-timey-wimey, is he magic, is he not, mm. is he using, and the way they modernised it, I felt, I was convinced. The drones. Yeah, how did you feel about it? Did you feel like it worked? Absolutely, I love I love the addition of drones mm. because there was a there was a because he has been using holograms since, since know, yeah since the sixties yeah so so they really needed to kind of bring this character up to date as well especially with it needed to happen because he's such an iconic character in Spider Man 
So I just got a message off a fan. Sorry, guys, carry on. Off a fan? Off a fan? You have yeah. fans? You don't have fans. What? Goodness. I do have fans. You did a great job yesterday, Mum. Yeah. It's not my <laughs> Thanks, Mum. If it helps, Fletch is doing the majority of the job while you're sat there reading on your phone. Well done, love. Um, but yeah, um, Mysterio, and the, the helmet I liked as well, it wasn't a fishbowl. No. It was a hologram, which makes perfect sense. Also, there's nothing more... I think the most menacing thing in the real world at the moment is drones. Yeah, it's very topical. Yeah, so it really... I don't know, it's something that a modern audience could understand the menace of. Yeah, and, and I think that this was a much better job than the attempted modernisation of the Mandarin. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't get on with that. No, but that was a, that wasn't one of their strongest films no in... no it wasn't would you do you like the, do you know the Iron Man films yes do you think they are the stronger ones out of all the other Iron Man is Avengers but Iron Man 2 and Iron Man 3 are only okay as opposed to wonderful but yeah. Iron Man's one of the very best yes what about you I don't know I think Iron Man's probably my the the one I least kind of got on with. Really? I don't think they're that good compared to the others. Like, I thought Captain America was okay. Winter Soldier was great. Everyone loves Winter Soldier. That's the best one. Yeah. Um, Thor, the first one, was really good. The second one was forgettable. The third one. Ragnarok. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> wow, what a film. And both of the Guardians of the Galaxy ones were so good. I'm so glad that they've got James Gunn back on to do the third one, and I mean, it's the role of a lifetime for Dave Batista, as far as I'm concerned. He was <laughs> yeah. made for that job, and I just, I just love Batista. Everything he says is gold. Yeah, but this is this is the difference when they kind of let the film have its own personality. Yes. Instead of trying, I think they were falling into a thing where they were trying to make everything very uniform, which is the reason they lost Edgar Wright on Ant Man, mm. which is. A Terrible, terrible thing to, to waste in Edgar Wright. Mm. But that's, again, that's Spider-Man's strength as well. It's so. very much got its own personality. It's like its own genre. It's yeah. like a high school comedy and a superhero film. What, another thing I like about this is Tom Holland clearly is having the time of their life. I'm Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, I can see them having five, six, ten films with Tom Holland as Spider-Man in the main role. And... I want, the, I want it to build up to a Sinister Six. Well, if he stays as long as Robert Downey Jr. has, he's going to be there until he's like 35. Exactly. So, I, I just think that's been wonderful. Yeah, I think, I think that was a conscious decision to yeah. get this young chap in so they can keep him around for quite yeah, a while. Yeah, and I, I think it's the right decision because Spider-Man is one of the most iconic characters in the Marvel Universe. And I think that's ace. Yeah. I think it's ace. The, um, I'm trying to think that, so, yeah, we, we, the thing is, I'm going to talk about Spider-Man so much on this show, but <laughs> I want to know what, how you felt when J. Jonah Jameson appeared. Oh my God. Oh, I know, <laughs> right? He was always the perfect casting for that character and... It made me so happy. They just, you just, you couldn't imagine anyone else in that role. Yeah. And I don't think... I let out of my seat and attempt it. I was sat with a friend, not, not my partner, but I, I, I jumped up and sitting and grabbed his hand. I was like, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it was J. Jonas Ameson. It was, it was one of those moments where you're in a cinema and everyone just suddenly, you feel everyone just get really excited. Him. 
It's the same guy. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Uh, J.K. Simmons. J.K. Oh, Simmons. Okay. He's, he's back as Jonah. He's reprised the role of uh, which, J.J. Which I, I just don't think anyone else could have played him. And how, were there a lot of people in the cinema when you went? Yeah. yeah. The reaction was Yeah, everyone, was everyone got really excited. Um, mm. And that I don't think that often happens when you're in the cinema where you see everyone just like, oh my God. Which just shows how much everyone loves this guy playing that character. Yeah. And then... The big reveal and the identity reveal, and it was like, <gasps> oh, it was just. I mean, the whole film had been great, so much fun to watch, and that just sent me home going, oh, my everything scared. Yeah, I mean, that's a real cliffhanger, that is, mm. which is something that they've not really done before. Other than at the end of Infinity War, yes. Well, I mean,. Infinity War, I guess, was always going to be a two-parter. Mm. Whereas all the other films, they all obviously um, are linked and they all obviously are in an order. Yeah, I think all the other ones are more teases than an actual cliffhanger, though. You're right. You are right. Yeah, which is which is maybe... Which kind of gives me hope that they're going to uh, address the issue that I had with it, which is why I turned off Endgame, as I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Can't believe you turned off Endgame. I did. I saw Professor Hulk. Right. And I was watching it with your mate, and I said, "Have I missed a scene? What? Why is he Professor Hulk now? Like he couldn't turn into the Hulk before, and now he's just Professor Hulk. What happened?" And he's like, "No, that no, that's just how it goes." I think there's a whole film in that, and they might even return to it and try that. I just got really annoyed with it. There's a whole film in what did Captain America do with the wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff? There's so much. <laughs> the what? You know, he like traveled back in time to put the the stones back to where they took them from no, originally. No, I turned it he off. Didn't watch okay. that. <laughs> do you mind spoilers? I mean, it's funny spoiling Malachi, yeah. but do you mind spoilers? I really, I really don't. I didn't. Captain like America them. travels back in time to return the, the the stones from where they took them from in time. Yeah, I know. And I knew. He goes back. And ends up as an old man yeah. sat on a bench. And there's a hundred stories you could tell of him travelling through time to do that. And with, with Disney, Disney Plus, they might even do it. And I, I, how good would that be? What, Chris Evans still? Yeah, why not? Or even I, I if they know, use I someone was, else. I thought he was bowing out. Well, yeah, I know, but money talks. Do you, do you reckon they're still going to cameo guy. a bit? But there's a new Captain America now, though. There is. Falcon's Captain America now, yeah. yeah. But um, I think you might see the odd cameo. And um, the, uh, but However, all the Tony Stark footage in Far From Home was from previous films, wasn't it? There wasn't yes. anything new. Yeah. So maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. I mean, the amount they had to pay him, apparently, to be in these films, yeah. it probably saved a lot of money. <laughs> just killing him off. I don't feel like they particularly <coughs> need to save money. The, the, the kind of uh, <laughs> money they're raking in from these films. But yeah, I mean, he is an expensive boy, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. <laughs> well, he is now. Before we go, have you got anything else you want to talk about with regards to Spider-Man Far From Home? No, I absolutely loved it. Me um, too. I can't, I can't wait to see more Spider-Man films. It's my favourite thing about the Marvel Universe it's always been my favourite superhero and they're just doing it such good justice as you say Tom Holland he's probably the best one I mean, besides Spider-Verse which they teased and then <laughs> got rid which I was re- I thought that was pretty funny yeah, I liked that was, that. that was really good yeah. but yeah despite their 
besides Spider-Verse, I would say this is probably my favourite Spider-Man film I've seen so far. Jake Gyllenhaal in it is absolutely amazing. Yeah, he was great. He's hilarious. And they've got, they just, the actors they're bring, bringing in now, they've all just got the acting chops, haven't they? It's, well, it's going to become a thing now where mm. everyone's just going to, everyone, every named actor's going to show, show up in these films. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, it's a mega thumbs up from me. Well, Thank you very much for joining me, Hollywood Fletch. No Thank you very much for sitting there and sulking, Malachi J. I, Matthews. I wasn't sulking, it's fine. <laughs> it's just that on your phone, on the internet? No, I just don't know what... Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what... I've not seen the film, so it's... I can't really say anything. Nah. Do you know what we should do? We should watch like an old and rubbish Spider-Man film. The on... Japanese Spider-Man. Should we watch the Japanese Spider-Man on Super yes. Track Film Club? Yeah. Oh, We've also yes. got, um, there is one already on the list as well. Spider-Man vs. the Dragon is on there. Spider-Man vs. the Dragon. The Spider-Man Kung Fu movie from the 70s. Shall we watch that on Super Track Film Club? Yeah. Does it have a Spider-Man robot in it? I'm not sure. Oh, we will find out. Let's find we? out. Well, Super Tap Film Club boys, thank you for joining me and back to the studio. Welcome back to Geek of the Week. Thank you for uh, indulging me and the Super Tap Film Club boys. I hope you enjoyed some new voices on the show. And if you enjoyed their stuff, they tend to review much less blockbusty films on their podcast. And that is all of the Spidey chat for this week. But we've got one section left. It's like he's back in the studio again, but he's not. He's in America with ropey Wi-Fi that means our Skype chats aren't great quality. Anyway, it is time for Pull or Pass, that part of the show where we discuss three comic books that have been released this week and whether or not we would add them to our pull or whether or not we would pass on them going forward. This part of the show is sponsored by Travelling Man, your local comic book shop in Manchester, York, Leeds and Newcastle. In Travelling Man this month, it is small press Day. In fact, today, on the day this is broadcast, Saturday the 13th, it is Small Press Day. And there is a special event going on at Travelling Man today. So if you did listen to this live, bob in this afternoon to Travelling Man and see what's going on. But because of that, because, it is small, because of Small Press Month, they're also offering three for two on all Small Press titles for the rest of this month as well. Also... It's the 50th anniversary of the moon landing, so they're offering 20% off selected board games and 3 for 2 on selected books that are kind of moon-themed. Oh, and finally, they're going to Comic-Con at the end of the month, 27th, 28th of July. They will be at Manchester Comic-Con if you want to go and say hello. Pull or pass? But, but, but what is this term, pull? Well, pull just means that if you like a title and you want to make sure you get every episode... It's almost like a casual subscription service. If you like a title, you can ask your local comic book retailer to put it on your pull, which means they'll keep you a copy of it back behind the counter until you pop in. You can pop in weekly and get your books weekly, or you can pop in after payday and get a month's worth of books, whatever suits you. They'll keep your books behind the counter for you for a, for a, good, a decent amount of time so that you, you, you have no worries about missing an issue, but you don't have to... 
go for any kind of like crazy heavy subscription service or anything like that. Obviously, I have my pull at Travelling Man, which has become significantly larger since doing this section of the show. First up, I looked at Invisible Woman 1 from Marvel, and um, I'll be honest, Fantastic Four was never something that particularly floated my boat, and I haven't read any Fantastic Four for a very, very long time. And when I say it hasn't floated my boat, that's just not true. I've always liked the Fantastic Four characters, but never really read that much, if that makes any sense. Whenever I read any, I've loved it. The characters are so warm and rounded and and a family, and I like that kind of thing. But Fantastic Four's always been something that I've kind of never got round to reading. And I know the lore and I know how important they are in the Marvel Universe. But like I say, I've read very, very little Fantastic Four. So coming into this, obviously I knew the Invisible Woman and her powers and... What I loved about it is that she is such a well-rounded character. She's a wife, a a sister, a friend, a spy, a superhero. And she I I think she's a real like the, the true hero because of everything she does and how she does it with such grace. And um, it's that's touched on in the book itself. And um what I like is that it's also obvious that with the powers that she has she is perfect to be a spy. And that's what this series is about. It's about her in the role as a spy outside of Fantastic Four and being um, working for for Nick Fury. And I really, really liked this. I, was, I wasn't sure whether I would, but I really, really did. And at the end, Black Widow turns up and uh, we're going to have an Invisible Woman Black Widow team up. And yeah, I'm quite excited for that. This one, this one was good fun. This one was a really good title, really strong, and made you and you made you understand the character, but also how powerful she is. And yeah, it's it's a pull for me. I want to see what goes on with the spy team of Black Widow and Invisible Woman. Next up is Unearth, which is a horror comic by Image Books, and the um, the first few pages of this, it was very much a statement of intent. It was pretty gruesome it was very a statement of this is a horror title this is an unashamed horror title and we want you to know that so uh yeah that was a, a good first impression and as you, as i went through it the first um the first soldier was actively unpleasant disliked him and then as it carried on pretty much all the military folk were were unpleasant i i wonder whether the writer of this just doesn't like soldiers and military people because it comes across as unfortunately the the emphasis on how horrible these uh, horrible and militaristic and um brutal these characters are is that they're the only characters i came out remembering is the bad characters and they were all from the military and i just didn't find myself attaching myself to any of the other characters that were in the book and the only characters i could remember were the ones i didn't like because they were they were kind of military jocks and unpleasant and kind of like hit first, ask questions later kind of people. And that's a shame because the world seems pretty cool. But I've come out of it not liking any of the characters really. So I was surprised, but I'm afraid on Earth that one is a pass. And finally, on this week's Pull or Pass, 
I've picked up Ghosted in LA by Boom, and I'll be honest, I picked it up because it was a number one, not because it was something that I thought I'd particularly like. But it's um, it's it's a story about being young and a bit rubbish in a lot of ways, and it opens with um, two friends talking about one of their boyfriends, and I've been on both sides of this conversation where one of the friends doesn't like the other person's boyfriend and has, hasn't told her about this and then um, then tells them and it doesn't go very well. And it's really hard when you're some, so close to someone and you, you feel that someone is damaging them by being in a relationship with them and, and you, you, you don't know whether to tell them. And if you tell them, it, it probably isn't going to go well. And, well, it didn't. And I've been on both sides of that. I've had the bad boyfriend, and I've had, and I've wanted to tell someone that they've had a bad partner, and it's it's done really, really well, and it it made me go, oof, yeah, been there. And then that doesn't stop. The next the next scene is one of those girls moving to university or college in America, and she ends up with a horror flatmate, and I've I've lived with some absolute people. That, yeah, some some very difficult people to deal with, very, very unfair and very selfish, and they don't even know it. And, yeah, so, again, I was like, oh, I feel for you. And it was, again, it was really, really well done about how awful it is to be in one of those situations where you're accused of something that the other person is clearly doing to you, and it's absolutely horrendous. And then... It's it's about isolation and growing up and understanding yourself and it's it's almost a coming of age story I think and I mean I, I don't think my teenage and early twenties were that bad but everyone can empathise with what's going on in this book and kind of making mistakes and not wanting to admit there were mistakes and getting dumped by the guy that you sacrificed everything for and it's it's stories that everybody. It starts with stories that everybody will have probably experienced and you'll be nodding your head and empathising and probably cringing as well. And I really, really liked that. But then it suddenly becomes a ghost story. And that's... If the ghosts weren't so likeable, I think that would have really annoyed me. But all the characters in this are really quite likeable and interesting and fun and I'd like to get to know them a little bit more. But she basically walks in on this haunted house as she's walk, running home from being dumped by her boyfriend. And by the end of it, she's made friends with ghosts and she's moving in. And that felt a little bit rushed, but I don't know. I, I, I do worry that this first issue was great and I'm not going to get on with the rest of the series. But I liked this first issue enough to at least try issue two, I think. So it's, for me, I think Ghosted in L.A., is a very tentative pull. I think I'm going to end up probably not having it in my pull for very long because the direction it seems to be going in is away from the, oh, I understand that, I've been in that situation, to, isn't it funny that she lives with ghosts? But I don't know. And I liked, I liked the writing enough to give it a chance because maybe, maybe I'm being cynical and maybe this will be a sleeper for me and a brilliant, brilliant title. So that one is a tentative pull. And that's all that I've got time for on this week's issue of Geek of the Week. 
I've had a great time, and I hope you have too. I hope you enjoyed our in-depth Spidey special. And if you have got any thoughts on Spider-Man Far From Home, talk to us on social media. At GOTW Radio on Twitter. Find Geek of the Week Radio Show discussion group on Facebook. Chat to us. That would be ace. And he's only three weeks away. Fraser's coming back very, very soon. But next week I'm going to do a clip show. I've still got some stuff that we pre-recorded before he went away to America. So I'm going to be putting in some fan cast stuff and a pre-recorded binge it or bin it next week. And I've got two more very, very cool shows, potentially with a guest host and other interesting stuff before Fraser is back. But I feel like I've got over the hump now. I feel like I I was dreading doing like two months of shows on my own. But it turns out that it really wasn't that hard. And I've had a good time doing it. So thank you for bearing with me. There's only three more shows of this left. And, well, that's it for Geek of the Week this week. Thank you for listening. I've had a fab time. I've been Mark. And we'll see you next week on Geek of the Week. Great Scott! It's been almost an hour. What the devil are they doing? Rest assured that I was on the internet within minutes, registering my disgust throughout the world. Thanks for listening to Geek of the Week. Be sure to tune in next week. Same Geek time, same Geek channel. And if you want to follow us on social media, it's at GOTW Radio on Twitter. Search for Geek of the Week Radio Show on Facebook. And to listen again, it's www.mixcloud.com forward slash Geek of the Week Radio Show.